Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 9, Diet, Part 7. And we're wrapping up our rant series on the diet, on our uh, our spiritual food, on the truth that you are what you eat, so it matters what you eat. And we've spent, you know, the better part of two months really kind of digging in hard and looking at some of the... Uh, some of the staples of a healthy spiritual diet, which of course was the bread and the wine and the lamb and the living water. Those are to me kind of some of the best pictures in the Bible of Jesus as something that we feast on or consume or uh, put inside of us, you know, with the understanding that I always say we are only filling ourselves up with what God has already filled us with. We're not trying to get something we haven't got, and we're not trying to work to earn anything spiritually by the sweat of our brow, because none of that stuff works. Works and labor don't work, spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about natural. You know, of course, Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about really the difference between the, uh, the offerings that Cain and Abel brought to the Lord where Cain brought what he could produce from from the work of his hands, from the sweat of his brow, and and from from the earth, from the ground, he brought, you know, uh, vegetables to the Lord. He was a farmer, and that's not the sacrifice that God wanted, because the only sacrifice God ever wanted was the one that Abel brought. Abel, being a shepherd, a type and shadow of Jesus, he brought the lamb, and that's the only thing God has ever wanted, is the lamb. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight, where we get so caught up in trying to finish the work, trying to be quote unquote, good Christians, trying to be like, you know, super spiritual, whatever that means that we really truly miss out on what has already happened. And, and, and the, the, the truth that the work is finished, Jesus did it all so we could get it all. And now we have it all because he gave it to us, not as wages. You know, the Bible talks about the wages of sin is death. Those are the wages that the Bible talks about. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that's what this having a proper diet will give you. It will it will make you be healthy and it will give you, a, a you know, really an eternal life. And, and there's a parallel here, obviously, with your natural diet making you naturally healthy and your spiritual diet making you spiritually healthy. And there's, you know, there's some truth to be said for a natural diet prolonging your life, even though, you know, there's, there's people who will, you know, smoke a pack of cigarettes a day and live until they're hundred. Like sometimes it just doesn't matter, but there are things that we can do to improve our quality of life and, you know, kind of improve our length of life. And we're going to look at that in just a minute here. Uh, even, even in a kind of a natural way, but spiritually speaking, it's not about extending your life because we already have eternal life. It's about experiencing that eternal life. It's about not having to work for something that you already have, because if you're working for something you already have, you're missing out on enjoying what you already have. You're robbing yourself from experiencing the gift you've been given when you're trying to earn it. So I'm trying to steer us away from that kind of mindset where we think we have to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow, and instead to understand that when Jesus finished the work, he sweated great drops of blood and his blood redeemed us from the curse of that fallen world. And his blood 
transformed us. No longer sinners, but saints. No longer slaves, but sons. And that's where we are now, and that's where we can operate from now, and that's what we can experience now. But again, naturally speaking and spiritually speaking, you are what you eat. So that's why I really wanted to spend a lot of time and look at not only what, but in some cases, how we are to eat this spiritual diet. And really, for, for a conclusion, I really want to talk about the whole deal, the whole truth that it's all Jesus. And I know that like my whole thing is Jesus rant and everything's Jesus. But specifically for this, it's important that we understand that we don't have to make this happen. Like Jesus already made this happen. So let's just get into it. And hopefully what I'm trying to say will make sense. And we can really, uh, again, I just want to make it practical. I want to make it helpful. I want to make it something that we can use like on a daily basis. I want us to be aware of these things because what you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. What you feed is what will grow. What you give your time and talent and treasure to really is, is what your life will be. You're setting the parameters of your life, your thought life, what you believe is so important because it really defines your reality. If you believe you're going to have a good day, you probably will, no matter what happens. But if you believe you're going to have a bad day, you probably will, no matter what happens. What you believe is so important, whether it's it's whether it's what's what the world is yelling at you or whether it's the report of the Lord. Because you can't just believe any old thing you want. Like I always say, like you can't go to the bank and tell them, I believe I have a million dollars and I'd like to withdraw it. They'll probably look at you like you're crazy because you probably don't have a million dollars. That's not believing something. That's, you know, hoping or wishing or, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom reality versus what the world has to offer. So let's dive into this. First, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. And what I wanted to highlight from this passage is they were all drinking the same spiritual food and the same spiritual water. That's why I did a whole rant on communion and how important that community is, how important it is that we're all eating from the same, like we're, we're sitting down at the same meal. We're eating this together. We're sharing. We're sharing our experiences. We're sharing uh, our, our trials and tribulations. We're helping to build each other up and helping each other to get through the things that we've already been through. Or, or, or just the things that, that you're going through. Like, if you're going through something I've already been through, I can help you specifically. But if you're going through something that I really don't understand that well, I can still be there for you. And I can still support you. And I can still listen, give you an ear to hear, give you a shoulder to cry on, give you a hand to help study you, whatever you need. It's just this idea of, of this unity of, of, of the human race, of, of ourselves as a people. And I know, like... Like, I operate my life quite a bit on get in where you fit in. I know I'm not for everybody, and I'm okay with that. If I'm not for you, that's fine. I'll shrug my shoulders and I'll move on. But we're all in this together. We are all living the same kind of experience in very different ways. It's so, like, it's so universal, but it's so individual. Like, we're all trying to get 
from the start of the day to the end of the day, whatever that looks like in our individual case. So a lot of times we can share the same experiences and we can help each other through what we've been through. But just eating the same spiritual food and drinking the same spiritual water is important. And I think I'm going to do one, uh, uh, a rant here pretty quick on the rock. So I wanted to mention that, but I'm not going to really get into that. The rock that traveled with them, the rock that was Christ, uh, you, you know, Jesus told Simon Peter, on, on this rock, I will build my church. There's a lot to go into, so I don't want to do it today, but I'm going, I, I think I'm going to get there pretty, pretty quick here. Maybe next week, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll see. But let's move on because, you know, I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to do my gorilla gospel, my hit and run, my get in, give you something to chew on and get out before you choke on it type of a deal. So I'm going to read Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 15 through 21. And this is really kind of a, it's almost like a, sometimes in the Old Testament, because it's so big and so sprawling and so vast and so broad, sometimes they'll do almost like a, like a little bit of a recap once in a while. And this is kind of one of those recaps. And Nehemiah chapter nine, starting with verse 15 reads, you gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Forty years wearing the same pair of shoes? I can't make it through one year with a pair of shoes. And I know things aren't built to last anymore the way they used to be. But I'm just saying, when you're eating the right diet, when you're... And, and, and listen, they weren't even... I was going to say when you're following the Lord, but they weren't really very good at that. They appointed a leader to take them back to slavery. They made a calf out of uh, gold. Like, like as soon as Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from the Lord, the people were like, oh, Moses is gone. What are we going to do? And they immediately started worshiping an idol, which they didn't really have a history of idol worship. So that kind of just came out of nowhere. That was like, oh, well, our leader's gone. What do we do? And they came up with that like immediately. Like they, they couldn't even wait for him to come back. Like, like we always wanted to, I don't know why religious people want to do this. But it's like we always want to judge people against some impossible standard. Like even the Ten Commandments is it, it's uh, even the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Like nobody follows that all of the time. People can be really selfish. People can have bad days. People can make mistakes. Even if you love somebody so much, sometimes it's it's easy to get annoyed with them or upset with them. And Jesus said, if you hate somebody in your heart, you've committed murder. Like Jesus took it to the point where you couldn't, 
follow these commandments and these rules, no matter how hard you tried, because he wanted to show that nobody can do it through their own effort. He wanted to show that works and labor don't work. He wanted to show that before the cross, we were all sinners in need of a savior. He came to show that you can't do this. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to do it as you. I'm going to give you what you need by doing what needs to be done. I don't expect you to do it because I know you can't do it. And that's okay. That's why the law was given. The law was given to shut up every mouth, to take every, to take away every excuse and to bring people to, to the knowledge that they need Christ, that they need a savior. Even Moses, the mediator of the old covenant was not allowed into the promised land because if he had been allowed into the promised land, they could have said, well, Moses got in through works and labor. Moses got in. He was the mediator of the covenant. He brought the law and he got in and that's not what God wanted his people to see. And that's not what God wanted us to see. He wanted us to know that the only way into the sheepfold is through the door. And the door is Jesus. And anybody who tries to come any other way is a thief and a robber. And that thief and robber is robbing, that's you robbing yourself from the gift that you've been given by trying to earn it. It cannot be earned. If it has to be earned, it's not a gift. And that's what God has given to us. He's given us the gift of eternal life. So we need to try to stop earning it. We need to try to stop being quote unquote good Christians and just realize that the word Christian means Christ-like. And the only way you can be Christ-like is to follow the new commandment for the new man, which is to love one another as Jesus has loved you, to receive and release the love of God, to let God love you and to love him back by loving each other. That's what it means to be Christ-like. That's what it means to be righteous. That's what it means to be holy. It means to know that you're loved and to love God by loving people. Receive and release the love of God. That's what this life is for. That's what this life is about. And that's what this spiritual diet that we're on, that's what it equips and empowers us to do. Because if we're eating the bread, Jesus, drinking the wine, Jesus, eating the lamb, Jesus, drinking the living water, Jesus, if we're filling ourselves up with Jesus, which we can only do because he's already filled us up with himself. We're just filling ourselves up to overflowing with what he's already filled us with. That's the only way that we can let what's inside of us come out of us. It's by knowing and believing that it's in there. So it's, and and, and why I read this passage was because I wanted to show it's not about what you do. It's about God sustaining you. It's not about being a good follower of Christ or a good Christian. It's about just simply letting your heavenly father take care of you. And that's why I want to read next. I want to read Psalm 23 and I'm going to read the whole Psalm. It's only six verses, but it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There's so much good stuff here, and I'm going to try to hit some of it. I don't want to run out of time. I still have a few memory verses I want to read to wrap this all up. But it's just right from the jump. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We don't need to try to get anything we don't have. At my old church, one of our mantras was, I have no lack because my God has no lack. Right? I don't need anything because the creator of everything lives in me. He's got my back. Jesus said, uh, you know, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. The Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And he's already given you everything, even more than you could ask or even think. Exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think. We're so worried about trivial things because, I don't know, I, I guess because we, we're trusting in ourselves instead of God. And that's not a good place to be. That's not a safe place to be. Like I know my kid, for example, and again, I think the father-son relationship is the best picture of God's love that we have. And it really clicked in my head when I had a son of my own. He depends on me for a lot. And that doesn't make me resent him. Like, I think sometimes we think like we're a burden or, you know, we're annoying. Oh, I don't want to text my friends because I don't want to annoy them. You know, whatever the case. But the fact that he relies on me does not make me resent him at all. I take it as an honor. I take it as a responsibility. Like, he's my son. Of course, I'm going to take care of him. Of course, I'm going to have his back. Of course, I'm going to make sure that he has everything that he needs. That's not, that's not just my job. That's my absolute pleasure. Like, that's what I... I, I feel like in a, in a very, very large way, that's what I'm here to do. So anything that I do for him, it's a labor of love. And when you're doing things heartily from the heart to the best of your ability, because it's in your heart to do it, that's when a labor of love really manifests in your life. And that's when it's not a burden. That's when it's not hard. That's when, that's when you can do the things that you want to like, like my little brother asks me all the time. He's like, man, you got what's your, how do you just get up and go to work every single day? And I always tell him, I'm like, bro, Logan likes to eat. Like I go to work so I can pay my bills and feed my kid. It's, it's really that simple. Do I have a, 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 a do I have a passion for, for going to work every day? No, not, not necessarily, but I do have a passion for taking care of my son. So in a sense I do, I, I want to work and take care of him. I want to be able to provide for him. That's, that's not just my job. That's, that's my pleasure. That's my reason. So we need to have that same sort of uh, understanding about God taking care of us and not see ourselves as a burden and not see ourselves as somebody that he's just, oh, geez, I got to bail him out again. No, he doesn't mind. The prodigal son left, wished his dad was dead, took his inheritance, left, squandered it, said, thought in his own mind, well, I can Go live in dad's house and at least be a servant. It's better than living out here. And when he went back to dad's house, dad ran out to re to meet him, kissed him, put the robe on him, restored him to honor, threw a feast for him, and was so happy to have him back. Like, that's the kind of father we have. He He's not one to give up on us. He's not one to be hard on us. He will chasten and correct like any good father will, but he's not one to punish us. He's not one to turn his back on us. Like... Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Even when we get into the worst trouble that we could get into, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always with us and he's always got our back. But what I really wanted to hit in this, uh, in this psalm was verse 5, which says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That feast that Jesus prepared, the shepherd, it's the sixth 
course meal that is the six steps to the throne. And I wrote a whole book about this, so I'm not going to get into it too hard right now. But just to say the six steps are when Jesus was crucified, died, buried, quickened, raised, and seated. It's the finished work of the cross. And I wanted to hit that hard because that's where we're going to end tonight. Tonight's rant and really this rant series is just this idea that the the work is finished. Like the feast has been prepared. He prepared a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. It doesn't matter where we're at. When we eat this spiritual food, it sustains us. It keeps us healthy. It keeps us strong. Um, and, and again, you know, what, what we saw in Nehemiah, like, like your clothes won't even wear out. Like you will literally have everything that you need and you won't have to worry about it because you're on the right spiritual diet. And it's not something that we have to do or produce. It's something that he has prepared for us and given to us. And all we have to do is sit down and eat it. All we have to do, again, what you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. What you feed is what will grow. When you feed yourself with Jesus, Jesus will grow inside of you in a sense, in a sense, because we're already complete in him. We don't have a junior Jesus living on us. We have the whole entire full Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth, the truth that God is love and he loves you. We don't need any more Jesus than we have, but when we feed on him, our, our knowledge of him, our understanding of him grows and bursts at the seams and comes out of us so that we can live from the inside out, so that we can know and believe the love of Christ inside of us. And in knowing and believing it, that love of Christ inside of us comes out of us. And that's the whole point of the whole thing. So let's get into the idea of, of the feast being prepared, of the work being finished. And first I want to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, which says, For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, which would be non-believers, you know, if if we believe, if we who believe can get in, then the others are we are those who do not believe. As for the others, God said, In my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Which is important to know, too, it's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. There was never a time when our fate was in jeopardy. God always knew what he was going to do. He always knew what the plan was. And he just waited until the appointed time, which was the cross, for all of this to manifest in fulfillment. But here's what I want to get to. We enter into his rest by believing. It's not, we don't produce his rest by finishing the work. He produced his rest by finishing the work. When we know and believe that the work is finished, that's when we can know and believe that we don't have to finish it and we can rest. And that's so key. That's so important. Because if you're trying to finish a work that's already finished, you're not going to be able to finish it. And you're going to rob yourself from experiencing the fruit of his labor. And just to really, really, really drive that home, John 19, verse 30 says, When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That was on the cross. That's when the work was finished. And then three days later, he rose from the dead because he didn't just give his life for us. He gave his life to us. And then he rose again and he took his life back up 
so that he could live his own life in us and through us and as us. It wasn't Jesus just saying, okay, here's my life. Good luck. I hope you, I hope you get some good stuff out of it. No, it was Jesus dying for us and as us and then rising again to live in us. It was Jesus saying, here's my life. I'm going to live it in you so you can experience it to the fullest. God doesn't leave anything to chance. I mean, even in the look at the story of Jonah. God wanted Jonah to go do something and Jonah didn't want to do it. And, and God had events put in place, set up uh, uh, a whole entire giant fish to swallow Jonah for three days, which which is type and shadow of the cross, the three days between Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So that, you know, God knows how to make things work out the way they're supposed to work out. The story of uh, uh, Daniel and the lion's den. God knew what he was going to do there to shut the mouth of the lions. The story of, uh, uh, I just blanked on his name, but uh, he was thrown in the pit. And uh, he said at, at the very end of the whole thing, when his brothers betrayed him, Daniel, Daniel in the coat of many colors. And when Daniel was lifted to a high position and then his, his family came begging to him for food. And he said, guys, you meant it for evil, but the Lord, used it for good. And that's how God always does. It doesn't matter what the world is trying to do because God just trumps it. And he's like, you know, it, it, it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, and it may not go the way you thought it was going to go, but I knew how it was going to go. And I knew that this was the way to get you from where you were to where you needed to be. So believing that the work is finished is how we enter into the rest. Now, I have two more verses I want to read, and they're both in the book of Revelation to close this down. Revelation 19, verse 9 says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. The feast that Jesus prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, the feast that he finished preparing for us when he said it is finished on the cross, is the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I think I'm going to get into that this season for sure about being the bride of Christ and all of those things because I think it's it's a really good picture. But for today, I just want to say Jesus washed us with the water of the word and presented us to himself without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. He didn't wait until we were spotless. He made us spotless and then presented us to himself. God doesn't want you to do... Uh, the. Uh, work to be somebody that you're not. God created you to be you. And all he needs to do is wash the world off of you so you can see who you really are. So you can look into the mirror and see your true self instead of looking at the mirror and seeing all the surface stuff. So this feast, this this six course meal, the six steps to the throne, it's the wedding feast of us and the lamb. And in Revelation 22:17, we see the spirit and the bride say, come, let anyone who hears this say, come, let anyone who is thirsty, come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. When Jesus finished the work, when he said it is finished, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, which literally means that he died. But it also means he gave us his spirit. When Jesus was res resurrected and then he ascended up to heaven and the Holy Spirit descended down to earth and took up dwelling or took up abode in all of us, that's really when 
we started to be able to feast on this meal because again it's the six steps to the throne it the 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 wedding feast it is the finished work of christ and the spirit is the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth this the the holy spirit shows us who god is in us by showing us who we are in him your true identity is jesus god in the flesh love in a body god in your flesh love in your body who you are is who you are in Christ, which is who Christ is in you. It's this marriage where two become one. It's this spirit. So so again, he finished the work. He gave us his spirit. He, present, he prepared this feast for us in the presence of our enemies. And then the spirit and the bride say, come. Now we're working together. Now it's a marriage. Now it's a partnership. First, it was Jesus doing everything that he needed to do to get everything ready. And then once it was ready, the spirit and the bride call the spirit and the bride ring the dinner bell. So that's why the Bible talks about us being co-laborers with Christ. We work with him as he works in us. It's the power of God in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's his light shining in us that makes him the light of the world and us the light of the world. It's that same light. It's that light of love. So you don't have to make this healthy food, so to speak. He did that, but you can invite people to come and get it. You can ring that dinner bell and anybody who's thirsty can come and drink. Anybody who's hungry can come and eat. We all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual water because we're all in this together and we need to share this meal. We need to have that community. We need to pick each other up and help each other out and be there for each other because that's what this life is for. And that's what this life is all about. That's what love is. Love is giving. It's a connection. It's a relationship. So that's what I wanted to say for this series about our diet. And like I said, maybe next week we'll move on to the rock. Maybe I'll have something else, but we got good things coming. So as always, thanks guys. And uh, one way or the other, we'll see you next week. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.